0: Welcome to NBA Storytime. I'm Jamel Johnson. Today I'm talking about a home court advantage that had not only fans, but also the building itself working against a team. Why the air suddenly went out in San Antonio in 2014 and how come the heat couldn't fucking take the heat? the NBA, the term home court advantage gets thrown around a lot, but like, what does it even mean? Particularly in basketball, all the courts are the same, same dimensions, same rim, same stanchion, same shot clock, all very uniform. Now baseball, that's a sport with some variables. The fields are literally different shapes and sizes. With the big stuff like court size lockdown, each basketball game comes down to a million little details that end up determining the outcome. How full of air is the ball? What shoes are the players wearing? Did they remember to bring an extra pair to change into at halftime if Slam Kicks is taking pictures? Who's the reporters tonight? Are any of them hot? See, it's the butterfly effect. And that's what we're talking about. An inch here, an ounce there. It can change the outcome of a play, a game, even the NBA finals, like it did the night the AC broke in Texas. The 2014 NBA Finals were supposed to be the basketball event of the decade. It was a rematch of the Finals the year before, pitting Miami against the Spurs yet again. These two meet once again in their championship round at a sold out AT&T Center. Nobody knew it yet, but this was going to be the last series the Super Team Heatles, led by Mario Chalmers, Joel Anthony, and the incomparable Norris Cole would all play together. Oh, and uh, LeBron James was there too, I think. I, I always forget and it wasn't quite their seventh finals. Not Not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. But making the championship round the three years the team had been put together is no small feat. And besides, cut LeBron some slack. What would you say if your new job threw you a parade on your first day and you knew you weren't gonna stay that long? On the other side, you have the Spurs aging core of alleged dorks led by Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. And it was all being held together by fresh, soon-to-be superstar Kawhi Leonard. (laughs) You can make the argument that they got robbed of a title the year before. It seemed Los Spurs were in control of their own destiny in that 2013 Finals until Chris Bosh and Ray Allen teamed up for something miraculous. Rebound, Bosh! Back out to Allen! His three-pointer, Now, as game one began, there was nothing that indicated this matchup would be anything but a fantastic series between two masterfully built squads. In the first half, it was back and forth with both teams flexing their muscles going on short runs. Inside to Duncan, another beautiful setup, and the Spurs now on a 6-0 run. While the Spurs gathered a five-point lead late in the second quarter, the heat became noticeable. Not the team, but how hot it was getting in the arena. The fans are fanning themselves as Bellinelli knocks down the three. The air conditioning in the building has apparently malfunctioned. Somewhere in the bowels of the AT&T Center, an electrical failure killed power to the air conditioning system. Each time the crowd of nearly 20,000 clapped, stomped their feet, screamed, cheered, or even breathed, the mercury in the thermometer crept up. Everyone in the building who was wearing silk became visibly pissed. The at and Center was no stranger to, shall we say, uh, odd occurrences. Jason Terry explained the misadventures of playing in San Antonio saying, one time it was cold showers. Another time there was about a thousand flies in the locker room. In 2009, three bats flew around the court on Halloween before Manu Ginobili swatted one out of midair. Oh, Manu knocked it out of midair. Is there nothing he can't do? <laughs> Earlier that 2014 postseason." Trailblazers forward Thomas Robinson found a snake in his locker. Got bats, snakes, smoke, swarms of flies. These are Old Testament problems, not storied small market NBA franchise problems. After the half, the Heat came out focused and took the lead in the third quarter. Now here's where the Ashton Kutcher film, The Butterfly Effect, takes control. Both teams had to play in the same 90 plus degree arena. Both teams were from warm climates, South Texas and South Florida, but both teams were not equally equipped to play in the heat. Let me explain. See, the 2014 iteration of the Spurs was famously international. They had five guys in the rotation that spent a lot of time outside of the States. After the game, Tony Parker said, personally, it didn't bother me that much. Uh, it felt like in Europe, we never have AC in Europe. It didn't bother me at all. That's, that's French, guys. Even Tim Duncan, who's an American citizen but grew up on the Virgin Islands, had dealt with the heat, saying, I don't think I've ever played in anything like that since I left the islands. It was pretty bad out there. Then he immediately turned on a Creed CD. Just three summers before that, San Antonio Express news reporter Jeff McDonald wrote about Tim Duncan and Danny Green running wind sprints in the full summer Texas heat during the NBA lockout. Playing overseas and training in the sun made the Spurs uniquely capable of performing in high temperatures, probably more so than any other team in the NBA. On the other hand, LeBron is uniquely susceptible to heat exhaustion. All that running across the baseline to get a post up. Here we go. Yeah, you know how humans are like 98% water or some shit? LeBron's only like 86% water. The missing percent is extra passing capabilities. All right, I don't know if that was true but Braun's legendary physical style of play was notably demanding. During the 2013-14 season, LeBron averaged 37.7 minutes a game. He ran 2.43 miles and touched the ball 77 times per game. All numbers near the top of the league. Let me put that into frame for you guys. That means there were more Allstate commercials that aired than LeBron got breaks during the game. Are you in good hands? His workload in game one was predictably extreme playing all 12 minutes of the first quarter and seven in the second frame, more than any other player on either side by a full minute. Accumulating massive minutes while you've been chasing Danny Green off the three-point line for the length of an episode of Law & Order and your body's taxed and it's hot out, what happens next is predictable as well. James crossover move, drives to the rim and finishes. And hobble up, he's cramping up again, Mike. And he can barely, can't even make it down the floor. It's a five on four. James would sit nursing devastating cramps in the final four minutes of game one. When he left, the heat were down by two. They ended up losing by 15. After the game, both sides downplayed the importance of the temperature in very manly ways. Wade said heat is a universality in basketball. I mean, yeah, not the NBA, not the finals. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we all have, you play basketball, you play basketball where it's, it's hot like this. I mean, I think everybody has done it before. Even Pop cracked a few jokes. Hopefully we can pay our bills. LeBron himself said it wasn't his first hot game. This was an unusual circumstance. It's been a while, like high school games or CYO. But what would you expect the players and coaches to say? Admitting something completely out of both teams' control can drastically change the outcome of a game doesn't give anybody confidence. It was only game one. LeBron would eventually suck down some mustard packets and Miami would rally and take game two before conceding games three, four, and five in normally air-conditioned arenas. The Heat lost the 2014 NBA Finals, but it could have been a whole different series if Miami wins game one. San Antonio is back on top once again. If LeBron hadn't cramped up. Meanwhile, LeBron James sitting on the bench. If the arena hadn't been so hot. Back to a hot and steamy AT&T settle. If the air conditioner didn't malfunction. The point is, the details matter. Thanks for listening to NBA Storytime. I'm your host, co-writer, and Stretch 3 on the floor, Jamel Johnson. Harry Swartout is our producer, co-writer, and a man heavily invested in Rex. Daniel Hartigan is our script editor and the guy who mops up after people who fall down under the basket. Haley O'Shaughnessy is our consulting producer and leading the league in bench points. Kevin Shepard is our production coordinator and the only one who makes sure we all get on the team bus on time. John Yales and Peter Moses are our executive producers and they also insisted on calling their own fouls. Real good to you guys. NBA Storytime is a Blue Wire podcast. Catch you next time.